Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all Feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Hey now all, I'm Joey C. Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Sherpa. This is the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me, as always, is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hey Kelly. Hey Joey, how you doing? Good, and we are joined again by our friend... Mary Balkan. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back, Mary. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so we're talking today something that we're probably going to need, what, maybe seven or eight episodes to get through the entirety of it? Magical traditions? <laughs> well, we're not going to go into to depth on it. We're just going <laughs> to sort of cover the, the overview because, uh, you know, personally, I am of the opinion that if, if you haven't practiced it, you shouldn't go in depth into discussing it. So, and since I haven't practiced a lot of these, I'm not going to. And, and this will not be an exhaustive list either. We want to go over into the overview of what are the traditions that are out there and what are they based in and, and where do they come from and, you know, what your options are. Because the assumption is stage one of your process is discovery, which is what's out there? What are my options? I'm unhappy about something and I want to find out how to make my life better. How do I figure that out? Let me go find it. And we're assuming that when you come into this podcast, that that's where you are is in that discovery phase and or in the second phase, which is what we call proof and proselytizing, which the is bright and shiny phase, the bright and shiny phase, right? <laughs> which is the oh my God, this stuff really works. I must tell everyone I know and drag everyone into the process with me so that they don't think I'm nuts. What we try to do in these episodes is to serve the people who are in that discovery and proof and proselytizing stage. And by the way, if you're in, in proselytizing mode, please tell everyone about us. We'd love to have them. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the point being that we're going to give you an overview 
of these different types of magical traditions that are out there so that you can, in your exploration, see if they fit you. And, you know, because, oh my God, there's so much information on the web and that's, that's hard. It's hard in the beginning of the process to not know which way to go. And so that's in, in the process of this episode, that's one of the things that we want to talk about is what are your options as far as what can you explore and where can you go with the process and things like that? Well, let's start at the high level. What are some examples of magical traditions and, and what is a magical tradition, generally speaking? So I, I, I guess I think you have to start by talking about what magic is in order to say what are magical traditions. And, and maybe that's how you might categorize them is by what kind of magic they use. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, it's OK. So what's a couple examples of types of magic that people would use that would put them into a tradition classification? Well, there's there's high and low magic. Yeah. Yes. So high magic is high ceremonial magic most often mm -hmm. uh so it's you know the people like the hermetics do high ceremonial magic ceremonial magicians go figure do ceremonial <laughs> magic um you, you'll often find it also in gardnerian and alexandrian wiccan traditions they they tend to do more high magic mm -hmm. and that just means that there is a lot of pomp and circumstance involved okay. not not to put it down because mm -hmm. i'm not intending that um there's there's a huge amount of garb and items and accoutrement and uh, there is a memorization of lines and there is a strong desire to repeat things that have been done before the purpose of high ceremonial magic is is two-part one is to really immerse yourself in the experience through the entire creation of the environment and to use as much sympathetic magic as humanly possible, right? Well, we've talked before about uh, the morphic field that often comes around these things, and ritual would, would effectively put you into that space as well, right? If you, yes. If you're tapping into the morphic field of... And thing. in high ceremonial magic, you're being psychic. The second thing <laughs> that happens, uh, that they do it for, is because when you do things the exact same way every single time, you groove an energy pattern that creates its own morphic field for each of the rituals that you are then tapping into it using the sympathetic magic to amplify the working that you're doing. And so each time you do it exactly the same way, you get to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the upside of high ceremonial magic. The the downside is that you have to do it exactly the same way every time, regardless of who you are and what is happening in your environment at the time. And despite what your intuition may be telling you to do differently, because the pattern is the purpose. So the, the medium is the message. The pattern is the purpose. Uh, Mary's disagreeing with me. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm just I'm working something out in my own mind. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, it's when you move from metaphor into symbol. Yeah. In my mind, religion is about symbol. And so when you move into that kind of high ceremonial thing, like a, a metaphor has an organic element to it, mm -hmm. that you experience it in and experiencing it and its meaning varies according to your experience, but there's a physiological sense of what it means. And so in a certain sense, the, 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 the further you move from metaphor and the closer you move to symbol, which the more elaborate you get in your ritual and ceremony, the more symbolic it becomes, 
And the more difficult for the uninitiated to be able to take part. Yes, <laughs> very much. Yeah. Which is why Kelly keeps looking at me as she says this, because the thing I always say about myself is that I'm a, you know, self-taught, homegrown, backyard pagan, <laughs> uh, that I, I didn't come out of any of those sort of ceremonial traditions. And so they're always a little bit uneasy for me because I, I don't know all of the symbolism. And, and, you know, even when I learn it, there's a there's a distance between me and that. We've been talking a lot about high ceremonial or high magic. What's the what's low magic? Well, so before we get off of high magic, I want to I want to say one more thing, which is that uh, as much as the symbology uh, separates the uninitiated from the initiated, uh, there is also a comfort to going into a high ceremonial environment where you're being educated in it because you know you're doing it quote unquote right Mm -hmm. and when you're new doing it quote unquote right is sort of people get stuck in that especially in our western culture they get into doing it right and so you know for somebody who's very attached to the doing it right that can be very comforting to walk into that environment because if you follow the script if you move it exactly the right way if you do exactly the right thing then you've quote unquote done it right and in low magic that is not true the high ceremonial magicians that I know tend to be more heady Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just you know people tend towards whatever it resonates with them more now low magic is much more of a intuitive a lot of fly by the seat of your pants a lot of make it up as you go along sort of experience and uh, when i teach i teach low magic Mm -hmm. we can bring in elements of high magic and when you're working with new people the more trappings you use, the more they have to hook into because the, as you work with more experienced people, you'll find that a lot of in, in low magic, a lot of the trappings sort of fall away Mm -hmm. and the energetic is much more of what people are going for in the low magic realm. Um, the, the trappings are used as a bridge to get you to the energetic. It's considered that you are, working to let go of the tools rather than to embrace the tools as a form and function of what you're doing. So does low magic rely more on the um, focused intention versus the ritual ritualistic intention? Um, They both rely on focused intention. In high magic, you have a script so that you can, through the script, combine the energies of the people involved in the magic. Okay. In low magic, you have a broad stroke understanding of what you're doing, and each person is expected to tap into their intuition to say, what's here for me to do? And so it actually requires a higher level of body awareness and self-awareness and skill from that level, and it's harder. Mm. It's harder to do low magic for a beginner. When you get into the upper realms and the upper levels of high magic and, and low magic, they're, they're equivalently difficult depending upon, you know, what aspects you're engaging. Uh, it's just slightly easier for a beginner to come into a high magic environment because it is scripted than it is into a low magic environment unless they are well, well attuned with their own body and their own intuition and their own awareness and stuff. So I don't want to say that one is better than the other because right. it's not. They're just different. 
And it's about resonance. It's it's exactly. It's about resonance and, and where you feel like you fit. And some people will start in low magic and go into high magic. Other people will start in high magic and go into low magic. You know, there's, there's crossover. Uh, I had a girlfriend of mine who had been in an Alexandrian coven for years and they used to hand her a script every time. And, and she said, you know, I want to come and do ritual with you. And I said, great. I said, you can do this piece. And she's like, great. Where's my script? And I said, what script? <laughs> she's like, there's no script. And I said, no, expecting her to panic. And she went, yay. <laughs> and I was like, okay, great. So clearly you are a low magician, not a high magician. And you have felt constrained by your high, high magic environment. And this will be good. I can't help thinking when you talk about trappings, that there's a suggestion that somehow in, in low magic, there's less like other stuff involved. And and I think maybe like, you know, I might make the analogy that it's like the difference between sort of a, a formal garden and a field of wildflowers. Well, yeah, like where you let things grow as they want to grow and you sort of enter into dialogue with the things as they're growing and and allow their nature to sort of dictate how your garden's going to look rather than forcing it into the patterns and designs that you want it to be in. I mean, in both cases, you're actually working with plants and earth and <laughs> <laughs> elements, right? And and in one year you're just much closer to them and in the other it's much more theoretical and you're imposing your will upon them as opposed to being in conversation with them. That, and in both cases, you end up with something beautiful, which is a garden at the end. It's just different types of it's gardens. It's a different type of garden. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about high magic being many of the traditional Wiccan practices and the high mag magicians and the ceremonial magicians, the hermetics, the that sort of thing. Uh, the low magic would be reflected in shamanism or druidism. Yeah. Homegrown backyard pagans. Yeah, homegrown backyard, <laughs> you know, solitaries. You, in Wicca, you, you, you have solitaries um, and people who don't come out of a, a traditional tradition, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we I use that term very, very lightly because most, um, in, in fact, pretty much every Wiccan tradition out there has come up in the 20th century. You know, they, they people will claim that it goes back further, but I haven't ever seen anybody bring me actual proof that they're, or, you know, show on the internet actual proof that they have a tradition claiming lineage much further back. The OTO in the 20s, and the Golden Dawn and uh, Crowley, which everybody refers to as Crowley. It's it's Crowley rhymes with holy is how he would pronounce it. So uh, we were actually talking yesterday about Crowley and the fact that so much of the traditional Wiccan processes. And, and just to be clear, I came through Wicca, so I feel like I can talk about Wicca a little bit more. I did not come up through Alexandrian or Gardnerian, so I don't have a point of reference to that. But uh, I was much more homegrown pagan. <laughs> um, you know, Crowley was a... Uh, he really was tantric in his approach in a lot of ways. He was also a massive misogynist, but, um, <laughs> he, uh, he liked to mess with people and he liked to, to fight the norms of society. One of the things that Crowley was big on was it's, he was in the Victorian era and every, there were very, very solid rules about sexuality and, and personal everything. Every way you did everything was structured to the point where they had like 
like different flowers meant different things in communication. I mean, there was a lot of richness to the culture, but it was very structured culture. It was very high magic culture, right? (laughs) And Crowley was the disruptor. He was all about disrupting and he was taking that very antithetical approach to life. And he encouraged his followers to do the same things. And as such, he he espoused certain things that people would do. And those things have become codified in many aspects of the Wiccan traditions and in other traditions, other magical traditions as well, who, who have come out of Crowley. And it's Alistair Crowley. The interesting thing is that they've codified his tradition as as dogma what was meant to be a disruptor and it's the antithesis of what he meant for it to be so the disruptor becomes the standard exactly and he would be pissed as hell if he knew that (laughs) he he would come in and disrupt his own traditions that would be what he would do because that's who he was but those are the three places that things generally come out of is the oto golden dawn and crowley and a lot of the magical, the low magic, and even some of the high magic traditions come out of that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's pretty dense reading. But if you decide that you want to go deeper into an understanding of it, then, then you could start reading down those paths. Um, if you want something that's a little less dense, you could pick up a copy of The Sea Priestess by Dion Fortune. She was one of the, I think, a she was either an OTO or a Golden Dawn member. I can't remember which, but the book is fascinating. And so when we're talking about traditions, you have to remember that very few of them within the pagan community are super old. You know, there's, and, and there's variation as well between Celtic and, and uh, the Celtic one is the really the one where I'm going to say, except for maybe Celtic, right? <laughs> well, um, I'm and, smiling, and possibly though, Norse. Because so. I think that can be said about every tradition, not just pagan traditions, right? Like the Christianity that people practice now is really the Christianity of our time, right? Well, I was and, actually going to say that as well. I mean, whether it's religious traditions or, or you know, and I put that in mm-hmm. air quotes, religious traditions, right? Or, mm-hmm. That we practice today versus uh, or these magical mm-hmm. traditions or whatever whatever, whether they're disruptors at the start. And, and again, mm-hmm. you look at the start of a lot of these, what are now considered these you know, organized, structured religions, they were disruptors. They were revolutionaries in their of their time, mm-hmm. sort of balking at the system. And now they've become this, this almost high magic, ceremonial driven standard of life and thought. Yeah, I, I actually went to the spiritualist church for a while and and one of the things they do very dogmatically at the beginning of their their service is they read off their beliefs. Mm-hmm. And item number five or six on the list is we don't believe in dogma. And I'm sitting there as they're reading these <laughs> you things. In and irony. I, and I, like, <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I barked out laughing <laughs> as, as we read it the first time I went. And there's they, I got these laugh looks and I'm like, what? That's funny. <laughs> 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 like that's funny and they they didn't they didn't appreciate the humor in order to stay relevant traditions need to change because mm-hmm. they need to be in dialogue with what's relevant and so you know the fact that it's not ancient right. <laughs> is sometimes kind of a good thing that, well that's a great point because a lot of people get stuck on how it was established versus how it has uh, grown over time 
Well, and, and, you know, some people will say, oh, we're carrying this ancient tradition forward from, you know, generations ago and blah, 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 as, as a way of establishing their bona fides, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, oh, look at me, I'm better than everybody else. And, you know, the fact is that any tradition is only as good as the people who are practicing it today, mm-hmm. because they're the ones carrying it. Yeah. And so when you're looking into what you're choosing... Don't go based on, oh, well, this one's forever old and blah, 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 because for one, most of them can't prove it. And for two, if they have to lean on that, they then you have to wonder why. And three, it's only as good as the people in front of you. So if you like and are resonating with the work of the people in front of you, work with them. If you don't like and are not resonating with the people in front of you, nothing they say should sway you from that. (laughs) just go with your gut because magic is very much about an energetic connection. It's all about an energetic connection. And if the energetic connection doesn't jive for you, don't let somebody talk you into it because they're, they're the oldest or they're the best or they're the whatever, you know, it's not, it doesn't matter. It's about what's the best for you not about what's the best overall, because you could go to the best overall, even if we could say what that is, and you can't. Well, And and if it's not the best for you, then it's not going to be the best for you. That desire for the best overall, or the one true truth, (laughs) or the ancient tradition that has been true forever and is in all circumstances, goes to conversation about cosmology, Right. right? Because if you believe that there is some one fundamental truth that is true for all times and in all places. And then you're going to keep looking for that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Right. Rather than looking for the situational truth of the moment that you're in, which is what you're looking for. If you believe that it's all just a network of connections and relationships and it's all right here. Right. And so what's present is, is relevant. Exactly. Well, and I'm going to call back to something that you said earlier, Kelly, and this is for both of you. You had mentioned you may you may start in high magic and go to low magic or or vice versa or something like that. But that goes towards not just what resonates with you forever, but in that moment as well, right? Oh, because there there's a component of growth that comes from, you know, at this point in my life, this aspect, this tradition, religious, magical, whatever it is, resonated with me and it was what I needed to Yes. be at that stage of my life but now i've transitioned so it's not about being convinced that i have to stay here forever it's about allowing yourself to keep an open mind and find your path yeah i've been through yes. multiple different things over the years i started out in metaphysics and i went into the whole messages from michael stuff then i went into wicca and finally ended up in shamanism and i've been here for 20 years but you know i could change my mind tomorrow mm-hmm. it's unlikely but I'm totally open to it, you know, if, if I if I feel the the evolution coming, if I feel like there's something, but, you know, it, it, you have to find the path that works for you. And there's a lot of different paths that are available. And, and I think it's really important to recognize that as as we go through those different sets of beliefs, it's not that what you believe now is more true or more real or that the things previous were false. Right. Correct. It's yeah. that they're 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 the the world that you were living in at that time and they they were real and every bit as much as the world that you're living in now is is real absolutely and i I think that's really important carl jung talked about this idea that part of the the process of individuation 
that there there's a there's a stage in it where we we move into um, we find our identity as part of a part of an exclusive group mm-hmm. before we move into a place where we find it within just ourselves. And I think that's just this really fascinating and important thing because like you can't get to the by yourself unless you've had the part where you were part of a group because it gives you this structure in which you experience, right? It's like the vessel that holds you while you're transforming before you can move on. And so if you try to pour something without a mold, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And even within different traditions, like shamanism is considered a quote unquote tradition, but you know, there's countless different forms of shamanism. And if you don't believe that, go on to the shamanism uh, Facebook group there's constant argument over what shamanism is from multiple people who are calling themselves shamans. Mm-hmm. And I love that about shamanism. I love it. <laughs> and you had even said, so when we did the shamanism episode on Spirit Sherpa, you had even said something which, which really I thought was incredibly interesting. If you ask 100 shamans what shamanism is, you'd get 100 different answers. Correct. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely true. And, and this is the thing is that it's all about finding your path. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, when you're new, hooking your wagon to somebody else's train is helpful because they've got a track that's grooved and and that makes sense and that can teach you a lot. And at some point, you're going to hit a point where your path and the path of your teacher diverges. Mm -hmm. That happens to every spiritual uh, student ever. And I've never seen one where they don't diverge at some point. And the way in which your teacher handles that is a statement of your teacher's evolution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you have to expect, and in fact, if you're doing your job right, they should, they should exceed you. Mm-hmm. You know, I just watched, um, what was it? Star Wars, the, what's the latest Star Wars one? The, the last, Jedi. the last Jedi, right? And, and that's the statement of if we are doing our jobs well, then they, our students will exceed us. You know, they will exceed our abilities. And that's what being a true master is, is being the jumping off point by which someone else can exceed your abilities. And that's that's the real gift Mm -hmm. is being able to see somebody else do that because you're giving them your consolidated knowledge of your entire life so that they don't have to go through that. They get to have the consolidated knowledge and then have their whole lives to improve upon it. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. We have hit on a number of things jumping off from magical traditions to really just <laughs> some really cool stuff for, for the folks to kind of absorb and take in. But we have reached our time limit for yes. today. <laughs> All right, folks, that's all that we have for this week. Be sure to join us next time as Kelly adds yet another chapter into your beginner's guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Joey C. here with Kelly Sparta and Ray Polkin, and you have been listening to Spirit Trippa. Each mile I travel over 13,000 now, so I leave behind a little fear. 
Spirit Sherpa is the sole property of Kelly Sparta Enterprises and is distributed under Creative Commons BY-NC-ND 4.0 license. For more information about this licensing, please go to creativecommons.org. Any requests for deviations to this licensing should be sent to K-E-L-L-E at K-E-L-L-E-S-P-A-R-T-A dot com. That's Kelly at KellySparta.com. To sign up or to get more information on the programs, offerings, and services referenced in this episode, please go to KellySparta.com. This episode of Spirit Sherpa has been produced by Honu Voice Productions. Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing, but you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space. And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half, guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.